hope you'll be in prayer uh, this morning and uh, thinking about the looking out, kind of looking at the windows and seeing the the bright, uh, the bright kind of semi clear skies out there this morning. So it's with all the the cloudiness and rain last night, kind of a good good day to uh, good way to start off our day. So I hope the Lord will bless and watch over us in the storms tonight. Uh, if you've uh, if you've been here some, uh, then you know that over the last number of uh, months, probably we've been talking about some things related uh, to what the scriptures say about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, and uh, trying to look at what what does the scripture say because there's so many things taught today. Uh, I was thinking about it again this morning. There's so many things you know where people get the idea from various preaching and teachings that they hear from people that uh, that the kingdom is not even is not come yet. Uh, and it's not going to come until, as they would say, until Christ comes back and sets up his thousand-year kingdom here on this earth. Uh, but it was, as we've tried to explore the scriptures over the last couple of months, we trust that what we've found in looking at that is that uh, the Bible clearly states that Jesus himself said uh, the kingdom was coming to them when, they were, when he was here on the earth the first time. Uh, and it also, as he was talking to Pilate and others, uh, he mentioned that his kingdom was not of this world. That, I, I, by that, that doesn't mean the kingdom is not in the world. It just means it's not a worldly kingdom. And so, therefore, his disciples did not fight for him during the time that he was here. Uh, we've also talked about the fact that the uh, uh, John chapter 3 tells us that uh, uh, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. And except a man humble himself as a little child, he can't enter the kingdom. Uh, we could turn over to Matthew chapter 5, and uh, uh, we find over there, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. And we start to get a, a glimpse of a spiritual kingdom that exists here in this world that God himself has established, uh, that uh, we actually see by uh, the new birth. In other words, a man cannot, if a man's not born again, he's not able to see the kingdom. Uh, and if a man is born again and sees the kingdom, he may or may not enter in it, into it unless he humbles himself as a little child. And so uh, over the years, we've heard many things taught even among uh, the primitive Baptist people about the, the kingdom of heaven. A lot of people used to take the stance, you know, that the kingdom was the church. Uh, I think the kingdom can be a, uh, the church can be a part of the kingdom. Uh, but if, uh, if the church, even if the church, if we don't humble ourselves down uh, as God's little children and, and see the great uh, the greatness and the benefits uh, of entering into the kingdom, we can be in the church and not enter into the kingdom, I'm afraid. So uh, he tells us in Luke, uh, you know, we mentioned this several weeks ago, uh, that the kingdom is within us. So lo, if a man say, go here or go there, uh, don't follow them. But he says, for lo, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Uh, so there's where the kingdom of God begins to take place. And we enter into truly into his presence, I think, into the presence of the king by humbling ourselves down and walking after him. So uh, we've gone through several, several parables uh, that he mentions in uh, uh, Matthew chapter 13. Uh, he tells us there, he gives us the parable of the sower. Uh, where he talks to the fact that uh, I think preparing his disciples and uh, continuing to reinforce the message to them that uh, uh, you go out and you sow the seed uh, of the gospel and uh, it's, it's, some of it's going to fall on good ground, some of it's going to fall on stony ground, some of it's going to fall on ground that's choked out by the things of this world, by thorns and all the things that seem to uh, uh, keep people from uh, really truly rejoicing at the preaching of, of the gospel. We'll look at another parable here this morning of some things that uh, the Lord said to uh, the people that he was teaching to at that time and some of the things that hindered them. Uh, and, I, and he was talking directly in this particular case that we'll look at this morning, talking about those that were of, of the Jews uh, and some of the problems that they had. Uh, in hearing him and enlisting him, and some of the things, some of the reaction of God to the things that happened down through history, uh, he brings out in a very simple parable. Here, we've talked some about uh, the fact that uh, it's hard for a rich man, the Bible says, to enter in uh, to the kingdom. Uh, again, I think it's teaching about the fact 
uh, that it, it's, it's hard because it's hard for them to humble themselves down uh, and be as a little child. doesn't mean uh, that they can't enter in. It just means it's very difficult for them to enter in because that means they have to do like the rich young ruler. They maybe have to give up their goods and their reliance on their goods to uh, uh, take up the cross and follow after Christ as he called upon the young man to do. Uh, we've also looked at some things that related to uh, Jesus says the kingdom was like a net. Uh, you go out, you cast the net, you gather in all kinds. Uh, he says, some fish are good, some are bad. Uh, he says, uh, uh, but those things will be sorted out at the end of the world. Uh, uh, he also talks about uh, the fact that uh, the kingdom was like uh, uh, the one that uh, had sown tares among the wheat. Uh, and he, again, he says that th that'll be sorted out. He says uh, he could send his angels now and take the tares out, but he says he might uproot some wheat. So he's just going to wait till everything's matured, grown at the end of the world. He's going to sort all that out again. Uh, he also told us, we looked at this, uh, the kingdom of heaven, he said, was like treasure hid in a field. Man, can you, can you imagine, you know, that the kingdom is something uh, that's right in the presence of everyone, uh, but it's like a treasure, it's hid. Uh, you know, to find a treasure, uh, we didn't really talk about this before, you know, uh, uh, any, anybody, in a, anybody a big History Channel fan? I like to watch History Channel. Uh, they, they, I've been, for, for several years, I've been watching The Curse of Oak Island. Anybody ever watch that? Uh, they're searching for treasure. <laughs> they think there was a treasure buried there in the 16 or 1700s. And they go in there and every week, you know, I'm watching them dig and dig. And they really don't find anything. That's kind of the way it is with most of those shows out there. But, you know, they've all got a, got a key or a thing that they're looking for. They're following to find the treasure. You know, there's, there's all these indications and signs, you know, the treasure might be over here. It might be over there. It might be there. Uh, it's like a treasure. The kingdom's like a treasure hid in the field. You need to know where you're looking to find it. <laughs> uh, and so you're not going to find it out here in the world. You're not going to find it in a cast about everywhere. You've got to know where you're looking to find the treasure. The Bible says, uh, Jesus went on to say there in that same 13th chapter of the book of Matthew, that the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl of great price. Which, uh, uh, like a merchant man, maybe I should restate, it's like a merchant man seeking goodly pearls that when he found that one pearl of great price, sold all that he had to purchase that one pearl. So, uh, I, I, I give that little review, I do, do that every week a little bit, to kind of make us help think about the fact there's a lot of descriptions of the kingdom. And I think the reason for that, I mentioned this again several weeks ago, it's, uh, it's like the old uh, uh, deal with the uh, surveillance cameras out on the corners of the building. You know, it gives you, it gives you a different view of what's going on. And we've got all kinds of different views of what's going on in the kingdom. Uh, it's, like a, it's like a sower going out into a field. It's like a pearl of great price. It's like, a, it's like casting a net. Uh, so if anybody tries to tell you the kingdom is just one thing, I think you're going to find out it's many different descriptions of many things. And so uh, as we begin, as we continue to look at that uh, here this morning, uh, I think last week uh, we talked about some things. Brother Adam and I both talked about uh, it was like a householder uh, who had gone out uh, and uh, at various times of the day and brought people into his vineyard to work. Uh, and at the end of the day, he gave them all the same thing. Uh, whether they came into the field in the 11th hour or they came in early in the morning. Uh, and he told them, uh, uh, again, teaching a principle here that I think is very important because he had followed right behind this uh, uh, where the, uh, uh, the apostles had wanted to know, you know, well, after the rich young ruler had come along, come along well, then Peter comes up to Jesus and says... Uh, Master, we've left all. You know, this rich young ruler wasn't willing, willing to give up his riches, riches. And Peter comes along and says, Master, we've given up everything, forsaken all for you. What are we going to have in the kingdom? And Brother Adam preached uh, very, very well about some of those things. And uh, uh, the principle being, as he, as he began to, to lay this out to them, first of all, as Brother Adam said last week, they really hadn't left anything because they could always go back to their fishing trade. And they did do that uh, later on. Uh, for or at least a brief period of time. Uh, but uh, he tells them that the kingdom operates under different rules from what the world operates under. Hallelujah and amen to that. 
Uh, the world is all about power. It's all about position. It's all about authority. It's all about who has the most power and the most authority is the ruler and the leader. Here he says, in the kingdom of God, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. So those that are those that are weak, those that are most humble, those that by the world would be seem to be despised, might have the the highest place in God's kingdom. Is why because you know how many people have ever heard uh, maybe somebody talk or tell a little story about uh, some older sister they knew that was just a praying woman, uh, seemed to have power with God. In the fact that uh, uh, she was very humble, uh, always praying, always looking uh, to the Heavenly Father for various things. She seemed to have power with God. With the rich and the mighty might not have power like she has. Why? Because she's humble and, and uh, poor, in, poor in spirit. So uh, he, he goes on and teaches that again about God is sovereign over his, uh, his kingdom. And, uh, and uh, you know, if he told he was going to give this one so much and this one so much, uh, and he gave them all the exact same thing, in the, end of the, in the end of the discussion, God is sovereign over how he rules his kingdom and how he does and what he, how he operates it. So uh, as, we look at, as we look at this this morning, uh, we'll go over into the uh, 21st chapter of the, uh, of the book of Matthew. Uh, and we'll begin to look at uh, another lesson that he has there for us uh, about uh, some things related to the kingdom. And again, he's talking about uh, a little bit of a parable that's laid out here uh, about... Uh, some of the uh, some of these things uh, related to the to the kingdom, and I was going to try try to look back for just a minute. Uh, uh, Jesus had been having a discussion with the Pharisees, and uh, they were coming up and questioning him about what he was doing. Uh, there were many that were marveling at the works that Jesus had done. The disciples had marveled at the fact that he had passed by uh, a fig tree and cursed the fig tree, and the fig, they came back by the fig tree the next day, and the fig tree was was withered up. <coughs> from its roots, and they uh, they marveled at this. And Jesus goes on, it says, when he came into the temple, in verse 23 of Matthew 21, uh, that the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, by what authority does, doest thou the th- these things? And who gave this uh, thee this authority? So now again, we think about who who has the authority in the kingdom? Well, there. They're coming along and saying, who gave you the authority to come in here and teach, you know? And, uh, and, and Jesus, can you imagine? I mean, I mean, put this into con- in, in the context for just a minute. Think about that. This is Jesus, the Son of God, uh, the one who, the creator, the one who created the world, created all things that were. And these people are coming up to him in his father's house uh, and saying, who gave you authority to get up and teach and do the things you're doing? <coughs> Jesus much calmer than probably most of us would have been <laughs> in, in all occasions, uh, comes back and, and looks at them and says, uh, and Jesus said in verse 24 and said unto them, I'll also ask you one thing, which if, which if you tell me, I, I will likewise tell you by what authority I do these things. And uh, he says, the baptism of John, which was it? Uh, uh, which was it, from heaven or of men? In other words, was it a God-given thing? Or was it just something men were doing? That's the question he's asking them. And it says they reason with themselves saying, hey, if we say it's from heaven, he'll add, he will say unto us, why did you not then believe him? <clears throat> and if we say it's of men, we fear the people for all hold John as a prophet. Now, they're over here on the side saying, he's asked us this question. If we say it's from heaven, he's going to say, well, why didn't you follow him and believe him then? And if you say it's a man, they're afraid the people are going to kill them and stone them because uh, uh, they're blaspheming a man they, they esteem, esteem to be a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, uh, we can't tell. <laughs> we, we can't tell where this is coming from. And, and Jesus looks on and says, says to them, neither tell I by you what authority I do these things. If you don't have the discernment, uh, and they had the discernment, I think, Maybe not the courage, <laughs> uh, whatever, to say where these things came from. He says, well, then I'm not going to tell you by what authority I do these things. And what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today by, in, in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. Man, 
We've all had sons like that somewhere along the way. Anyway, uh, you know, uh, go out and do, do, the, do the yard work. Ah, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. Uh, anyway, we were having a discussion this morning. That's a whole other issue. Uh, and he said, uh, <clears throat> he answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he repented and went. Oh, so he said he wasn't going to do it. But later he got, uh, you know, I guess I better go do it. You know, dad's asked me to go out and do work uh, work in the uh, work in the vineyard so and he came to the second and said likewise and he answered says i will go <laughs> and went not whether of them jesus asked asking them the question whether of them twain did the will of his father and they say unto him the first and jesus saith unto them verily i say unto you the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of god before you Whoa. <laughs> uh, the, here they are, uh, you know, being all haughty. He's just given them, asked them this question. And now he comes along and says, a man had two sons. One of them he asked to go into the into serve him in the vineyard. And, the, and he says, nah, I'm not going to do it. But then he says, eh, okay, I guess I better. And then the second one he asked and told him to go into the vineyard. And he says, oh, yeah, 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 I got it. Anybody ever have kids like that? <laughs> yeah, I got it. No problem, Dad. Going out there right now. Come back an hour later, nothing's done. Two hours later, nothing's done. And you think, what happened to that? So Jesus gives them this example after talking about the fact uh, uh, that they couldn't discern about was John, one of the, you know, a prophet, or, or about how he did his baptism. Was it of heaven of, of, of men? And then he comes along and tells them this story and says, which of these two guys did the will of the Father? And they said, well, the first, the one that repented and went in and actually did it, it did the will of the Father. And, and verily, Jesus said unto them, verily I say unto you, the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom before you do. Here's another description of the kingdom laid out here for us a little bit. And part of what he's saying is he says, it's not always those that put on a big show and say they're going to do something. It's those that actually do it. Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, that's, I think there's a good cautionary tale for us in serving God. Are we putting on a show? Are we actually doing it? You know, it's not so much what we say we're going to do, it's what we actually do. Uh, and so, are we just putting on a show with some of these things? Or, or do we really serve God? Do we really go out and do the things that we, uh, uh, that we say that we're going to do? Or we just talk about it a lot? Uh, so, here he lays out this example. And then he comes right behind this and says, For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not. But the publicans, the harlots, believed him, uh, and the, believed him. And ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward, that ye might believe him. He says, you know what? And, 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 and don't we find this true today? When we really truly preach the grace of God like it should be preached, uh, preach it with power and demonstration of the Spirit of God, and we really preach that God's grace is for sinners. God's grace is for those that have messed up. God's grace is for those uh, uh, that have, uh, have failed in this old world. Uh, and we say, God's grace, my friends, is what we stand in need of. It's what's going to make us whole. It's what's going to take us to home to be in heaven one of these days uh, and and some people are so haughty well god's grace uh, uh, you know i don't need god's grace i've got obedience i've got all these things that i've done what you know what good is a you know, maybe they're not quite that harsh, but you know, uh, sometimes they look down on God's grace just a little bit because they say, yes, but I've kept the commandments. I've done this. I've followed that. Uh, and so, uh, uh, but you know who God's grace really appeals to? Those that are poor and undone in spirit and those that stand in need of the, uh, know they need the grace of God. Uh, they know they haven't done well enough. They know they're sinners. Uh, uh, and it appealed in, in Jesus' day, the preaching of John that said, Repent and come and be baptized. Who did it appeal to? It didn't appeal to the Pharisees. They didn't think they had anything to repent of. It appealed to the poor and the humble and the brokenhearted and the sinners of this world they said, you know what? I need a Savior. I need somebody that can take, take up my cross and carry me uh, along the way. And so he's, Jesus says, the publicans and the harlots entered in to the kingdom before the Pharisees did. 
They, did, they saw their need. They saw their need even before uh, those people saw their need. And so then he goes in to verse 33, which is where I thought I was trying to get to this morning and, and looked at it. He says, uh, hear another parable. So he begins to follow this story. He's, uh, he's telling them this story. He's asked them these questions uh, uh, about, uh, uh, about uh, John and John's teachings. And then he tells them about the son, two sons. Which of them did the, uh, the pleasure of the father? Uh, the one that actually said he was going to do something but did nothing, uh, or the one uh, that actually uh, said he wasn't going to do anything and then but did uh, and repented and went and did what the father had asked him to do. Uh, uh, and then he begins to tell them about uh, uh, the the publicans and the harlots. Uh, uh, they're more uh, they followed John when you wouldn't. And then he tells them this parable. Here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard. Here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about uh, uh, and digged a wine press in it uh, and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and, and went to a far country. Again, uh, uh, if we skip over to the end, uh, we'd find over there, he says, Therefore I say unto you, the, in verse 43, Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you. So, again, this is a parable. It's about the kingdom of God, and he's addressing a certain group of people here. This is, uh, uh, this is specifically addressed to the Pharisees and those people that were there, uh, that were rejecting the teaching of John, that weren't entering into the kingdom, uh, that uh, were not acknowledging the uh, baptism and where it came from uh, and he's addressing them with this parable and he says there was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and, and hedged it round about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower and he let it out to husbandmen uh, which went and, and he went uh, and then he went into a far country and you can begin to get a picture in your mind think about uh, uh, this uh, uh, we've been studying uh, very much on uh, especially on Wednesday night we've been studying through Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and uh, and all of this is about the travels of the children of Israel and they're in, they're entering in or about to enter in uh, uh, we get through Deuteronomy and uh, so forth is studying through this but uh, they're about to enter into the uh, uh, to the to Canaan's land, the land that God had promised to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, uh, and He told them it was a land that flowed with milk and honey. Uh, it was a place that God was going to bless them with houses and vineyards and wells and things that were already dug. Uh, and uh, as He's describing to them, uh, there was a certain householder. Uh, he planted a vineyard. He hedged it round about. He digged a wine press in it uh, and built a tower. And He let it out. To husbandman. In other words, somebody that would take care of the vineyard in his absence because he was going away to a far country. And, and so this man that had a vineyard, he hedged it around about to protect it from things that would get in there and, and eat of the vineyard. Uh, uh, he also digged a wine press. Uh, uh, very, uh, may, at least interesting to me, uh, uh, when, we were, when we were in Nazareth a few years ago, we went over there and they had this old, play, old area there in Nazareth, uh, which they called uh, you know, they were kind of a little, it's a little tourist thing is what it was. But they, they go and carry out there in some of the excavation area. And they said, little area here dug out in a rock. And you can see it had a spout out the end of it. They said, more than likely there was a vineyard here at one point in time. And this was the wine press. This was the area where they brought the grapes. People got out there and stomped the grapes. The, the grape juice would run out through the little little notch in the in the rocks and down into another area down there, you know. So you can't, I, I say all that to get a picture. Here's a man that's planted a vineyard. He's also digged out a wine press. He's built a tower. Uh, and he's let out this vineyard to husbandmen uh, that they can take care of it. And when the time for the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandman took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. So this good man who uh, planted, planted this vineyard, who digged out this wine press, who let out uh, the wine press to husband, when the time for the fruit to come to bear in this, uh, in this vineyard, he sent his servants back to check on it. Uh, and the husbandman killed one, stoned one, uh, beat one. <coughs> so he sent other servants. Uh, and then he sent other servants, that they, more than the first. And they did likewise, and they did unto them likewise. So this good man then sent more servants. Uh, 
And I want to, before we get to the end of this, because unlike some of the parables that he talks about here uh, in the, uh, in the, uh, in the uh, scriptures, he doesn't come at the end of this parable and say, oh, now here's exactly what this parable is talking about. Uh, but you can begin to get a picture of what the parable is talking about uh, uh, because we know a man uh, who gave a land of milk and honey. He gave uh, his temple, his sacrifice, his tabernacle, all the goods that the master had, he gave to the children of Israel uh, and he let it out to them to take care of. Uh, and, uh, and it wasn't like he was unengaged with them. You know, this is not one of those uh, uh, gods that people teach about today who like he's not involved in anything going on down here but he did leave what needed to be done inside the vineyard of his of his uh, work of his tabernacle of his worship of his service he let it out to the tribes of Israel he let it out to the priest to take care of he let it out to the leaders the judges uh, and so forth that he set up over to rule over them they were the ones to be responsible for making sure that what God had given them was taken care of. They were supposed to worship a certain way. They were supposed to meet on certain Sabbath days. They were supposed to give him all the praise and honor. And above all these things, they weren't to go and worship other gods. And they weren't to take the gods of those people that lived in the land around there. In fact, they were to drive those people out, uh, the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and all the ites that were living there in Canaan. They were to drive them out and they and the reason for that was so they would not be tempted with their gods to begin to worship them. Well, you know the story. They didn't do that. <laughs> uh, they, didn't, they didn't handle the vineyard like he told them to do it. And God sent, constantly sent people to them. He sent judges to take care. We've been, uh, we, I've been reading through judges. He would send them a judge like Samson. And Samson would go and drive the Philistines out. Or he'd send them Gideon. And Gideon would uh, uh, go in a, and drive. And then as soon as that judge would pass away, there'd be another one come along. And the people didn't do anything about worshiping God again. Uh, he'd send them prophets. And they wanted to stone the prophets. They wanted to kill the prophets. Why? Because the prophets were telling them, Thus saith the word of God. Here's what you to do. Here's what, how you to serve him. And so, you know, today... <clears throat> Uh, we could bring this into today's kind of thinking too. I know this is specifically talking. He's addressing the Pharisees in particular, the children of Israel in particular that have been given the word of God, the law of God, the worship of God, all the things that they had been given to take care of uh, and, to, and to manifest the things that God had given them and to uh, uh, worship him and to be his people and to follow after him. They had been given all of that. Uh, but today, uh, uh, you know, you want to dial the dial to today, we've been given the blessings of a kingdom here too that we can enter into and worship. And the constant question that we ought to have on our mind uh, is are we falling into the same trap that the children of Israel fell into? Are we following after the gods of this world and worshiping uh, and not uh, uh, honoring the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords and our heavenly master? Are we not honoring him? So he says the husband took his servants and they beat one and they killed one, uh, killed another and Stone another, verse 35. And again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But and last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son, surely. <laughs> After I've sent them all the judges and the prophets and all these things that I've sent to them, finally I'll send my son down to see how they're doing with these things. And when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. <laughs> Come, let us kill him. Let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. And when the Lord of the vineyard cometh, what will he do to those husbandmen? Uh, can you imagine? I mean, he's, get, he's laying all this out for them. <laughs> all this out for the Pharisees and saying, uh, you know, he sent his servants and they killed them. He sent more servants and they killed them. Then he sent his son and they killed him. Now, what do you think the good man, the master of the vineyard, the, what do you think he's going to do when he, when he comes? What do you think? How do you think he's going to react to this? And any of us would sit here and say, oh, it's not going to be good. <laughs> it's not going to be good at all. 
and we could dial the clock ahead a little bit. To, uh, not to, not to, not that this is specifically said right here, uh, uh, maybe, but we can dial the clock ahead about forty years from the time that Jesus was talking about these things. Uh, if all of this was occurring around thirty A.D. in Jerusalem, and he's laying out these uh, this parable of this man and his vineyard who killed his servants and killed his son, and he's laying all of this out for them, uh, and then we dial the clock ahead about forty years. Uh, well, maybe we just dial the clock ahead a few months right now, and we see the fact that Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross. Then we dial it ahead about forty years, and what do we see? We see the armies of Rome, of Titus, the general of Rome. And what is he doing? He's laying siege to Jerusalem. And eventually, all the people there are put to death and killed and hauled or hauled away into slavery. And all the people of Jerusalem suffered. And uh, no doubt this was a punishment brought upon them from the Lord himself for how he, how they had done his son, how they had done his prophets, and how they had wasted the things that God had given to them. And I'll tell you, when we look at things like that, uh, and we look at, uh, uh, Brother Adam has been talking through, and uh, we've been studying, I guess, looking and talking about uh, the children of Israel carried off into Babylonian captivity, and all those things that happened. Why did the children of Israel, why were they carried into Babylonian captivity uh, uh, some, some number of years after the time that they had first come into uh, the land of Canaan? Because they've worshipped false gods, because they had failed to, to follow after their fa- their heavenly father, uh, and uh, they had failed to keep the land, they had failed to keep uh, the Sabbath days uh, and the Sabbath years and all those things that God had commanded them to do. And God eventually raised up uh, a people called Babylon, and they came in and they captured uh, uh, the children of Israel and carried them off into captivity, and their, ch- their, their cities were in waste. And if you read all those stories... And you don't just get a little bit concerned about us and our churches and our nation and our country. Then, my friends, we, uh, I don't know what I can do to you <laughs> uh, to shake you up a little bit more and say we ought to be concerned about our nation and our country and we ought to be concerned about our churches and we as fathers ought to be concerned about our families. We ought to be training up our children in the way that they should go. Why? Because that's what God commanded us to do. And, uh, and there, there eventually came a reckoning time for the children of Israel because they had mistreated his prophets, they had mistreated his son, all of those things. If we go back uh, earlier than that, they were carried into captivity. Why? Because they had not kept his land, because they had worshipped false gods, and they had played the harlot themselves in many different ways. So he tells them this, tells them about his son, and they and ask them, when the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do to the, those husbandmen? And they say unto him, he will miserably destroy those wicked men. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he will let out his vineyard to other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their seasons. And Jesus saith unto them, did you ever read in the scriptures... The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you. The kingdom of God shall be taken to you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken and whomsoever and on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. Remember, very young in my ministry, I had had some uh, some ministers that were older than me, and they, they turned to this scripture and said, "Charles, what does that mean?" I'm like, "Man, I don't know." <laughs> you know, looking at it back then, but you know, you, you look at it here, and he's talking about this parable about this vineyard and the and these men, husbandmen that had killed his servants and killed his son. And he asked them, "What will the what will the master do when he comes?" Uh, and he says, uh, uh, "Surely he'll destroy those wicked men." And he goes straight into that and says, "Did you ever read about the uh, stone that the builders rejected?" Now he's talking about him, the chief cornerstone, the chief stone uh, that the builders rejected. And he says, "But he's." Come the chief corner. Why? Because God made him the chief cornerstone. Uh, the whole building is founded upon that. Uh, and he looks at them and says, The kingdom is going to be taken away from you. If we understood this kingdom to be everything eternal, 
we would be convinced in looking at this scripture uh, that God's kingdom had been forever taken away from the Jews. Why? <clears throat> That's not what it's teaching, by the way. Uh, he, he, but I'm telling you, a lot of people out there look at these things and read these scriptures and say, see, he said he was going to take the kingdom away from them. Uh, but uh, you got to understand, if you don't understand the kingdom's a spiritual kingdom, the kingdom's within you. If you're not pressing into it, uh, 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 you're, not, you're not entering into it like a, like a little child. What they had redone is they had rejected the preachings and the teachings of the king. Uh, and he says, you know what? You reject the preachings and the teachings of the king, and I'll raise up another people that will believe the preachings and teachings of the king and that will take care of his vineyard and take care of the things that he, they told him to take care of. And you know what? He raised up another people. He called them the, they're called the Gentiles. Uh, it's called me and you and us today. Uh, and, and if the Lord will bless, I'm going to turn over to the 11th chapter of the book of Romans because uh, we can see over there there's a, there's, a, there's a lesson taught over there and a question asked and a lesson taught about the uh, natural olive branch and the wild olive branches uh, and there, there's some confusion I think today over what these lessons teach uh, just like there is about the kingdom here uh, but he says to them the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation that bringeth forth the fruits thereof and whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken you know what mine your job is and as part of the kingdom of God we see Jesus Christ we're to fall on him and we're to be our lives are to be broken we're to be brokenhearted, broken, uh, broken in our will, broken in our desires by what? By falling on the stone. But you know what the warning is? If the stone falls on you, it'll grind you to pieces. The stone fell on the children of Israel in 70 A.D. And it ground them to pieces over there, my friends. Uh, our job is not to have the stone fall on us. Our job is to fall on the stone and gr let God's word just grind us and work us and labor us. We're to fall on that chief cornerstone and we're to apply, cry out, mercy, Lord, mercy, Lord, uh, uh, repent and follow after him. That's what the whole problem was. They weren't repenting uh, and following after John the Baptist and the teachings of it. Uh, uh, and we need to repent uh, and, uh, and fall on the teachings of our Lord and let him just grind us. Let it just let us be brokenhearted. Let us be contrite and humble and worshipful to Him. So uh, when the chief priest, uh, I got to finish this. If I don't finish this, so you'll fit, you'll you'll think, uh, anyway. So the, when the chief priest and the Pharisees had heard the parables, they perceived He spake of them. <laughs> well, lo and behold, they were right. He was talking about them. And when they sought... Now, listen, he says, uh, they, the chief priests and the Pharisees, when they heard him speak, they perceived he was talking about them. And, it, and so what does the scripture say? Oh, they, they repented and they humbled themselves. No, <laughs> no, not, not them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. You know what their reaction was to thinking the parables were about them? Let's take him and kill him. Let's take him out and see if we can't do away with this troublemaker, Jesus, who goes around all the time condemning us. That wasn't, their reaction wasn't a oh, poor and a contrite spirit. They weren't wanting to fall on the stone. They were saying, come let that stone fall on us. <laughs> let him just come, come and grind us to powder. Okay, so <clears throat> with, that, with that parable in mind, I want you to turn over to the 11th chapter of the book of Romans. And I don't have time to go back and preach the entire book of Romans to get to the 11th chapter. Uh, but it's all one big story. Uh, but the, but uh, the Apostle Paul asked the question here in the 11th chapter of the book of Romans, uh, talking, about the children, uh, talking about the children of Israel, talking about the Jews. Uh, and, and I'll just read, I will read the last portion of the, of the 10th chapter. Uh, <clears throat> And he's talking about what the children of Israel knew. Did they, did they not know? Did God not teach them? Yes, he taught them. And, and he says, uh, but verse 19, But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation will I anger you. 
So Moses had written back over there and says, God's going to provoke you. I think that's in Deuteronomy, I believe, and uh, uh, where he's talking about, I will provoke you to wrath from a people that's not even a, pe- <clears throat> not even a people uh, by the Gentiles. Uh, and he... Uh, as he, as he asked that question, uh, it says, But Isaiah was very bold and said, I, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest to them that asked not after me. But to Israel, he saith, all day long I stretch forth my hand unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Uh, so then, he, then verse, chapter 11 begins with him asking a question. I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid... For I am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. They rejected him. They didn't follow after him uh, like they should have. But even in that, uh, Paul comes over here and tells us, so is, so is God cast off his people forever? God forbid. God's not going to cast off the people that he foreknew. Uh, you know, think of it like this. I was having a conversation with somebody last night, and uh, told you all about that. That'd be fun to talk about uh, a little bit. Uh, uh, but we think about think about this. Uh, how many of you, and I know there's some of you in here that are, that are older, uh, how many of you have children that uh, have disappointed you at least somewhere along the way just a little bit? Uh, you know, how many of you have had children say, well, you know, boy, they, they <clears throat> so, but let me ask you the, the next question. Did you ever stop loving them because they messed up? And the answer is, I, I know the answer. The answer is no. <laughs> you know why? Because they're your children. And you know what? And, and we don't like our children to mess up. We hope they don't ever mess up. We pray for them and, and all those things. But you know what? We still love them because they're our children. And God still loves his children because they're his children, even when they mess up. And so he tells us here, has God cast away his people? Uh, for, uh, God forbid. He says, I'm an Israelite of the tribe of, ben- of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Uh, uh, know ye not, or watch ye not, that the scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they've killed thy prophets, they've digged down thine altars, uh, uh, and, and I'm left alone in they seek my life. This, you remember Elijah. Elijah had just uh, uh, put on a show for the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the grove uh, and had just driven them down uh, into, the, into the river down below Mount Carmel and, had, and slew them down there. And then as soon as that was accomplished and he had seen all these great miracles of God, fire coming down from heaven, lapping up the sacrifice, lapping up the wood, licking up the water that he poured on the wood that was around about the altar, all of those great things that had happened there. And now suddenly uh, uh, Jezebel's about to attack him and Elijah runs off to hide the cave uh, uh, because uh, uh, she's she's coming a- after him. But he says, Lord, uh, uh, look at this. He says, uh, uh, Lord, they've digged down, they've killed thy prophets. Remember the story that we were talking about back over in Matthew? About how, about this one who had planted a vineyard and he'd let it out to the husbandman and he sent his servants to check on it uh, and the servants had been killed by the husbandman and then the, more servants were killed and then finally the son was killed and all that. This is Elijah in his day saying, Lord, they've killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars and now he was having a pity party and saying, I'm left alone and they seek my life but what saith the answer of God to him? I have reserved unto myself 7,000 men that have not bowed the, the knee to the image of Baal. Elijah, I've got people that are faithful that you don't even know about. And I'll tell you what, if any of us ever get to having a pity party of ourselves and say, well, I'm the only one trying to hold the old paths and walk in the old right way. No, you're not. God's still got a people out there in other places, other times, other areas you don't even know anything about. Elijah didn't know anything about. And he says, even so, then, at the present time, this is Paul in his present time, saying, even so, then, at this present time, there's also a remnant according to the election of grace. And then he says, if it's by grace, if it's by grace, then it's no more works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it's no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Uh, What then? Israel hath obtained that which it seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. 
There was people that were blinded to the things of the word of God and Israel. And it was a punishment that God put on the children of Israel. Why? Because they had killed his prophets. They killed his son. And God blinded their eyes from seeing the gospel truth of the Jesus Christ was coming. And you know what he did? He took the kingdom from them. He didn't take their eternal life away. He didn't cast them away forever. God forbid that he cast them away forever, those whom he foreknew. But you know what he did do? He took away the pleasures and the joys of the kingdom that they could have had and a people that had been rich in knowing that God had delivered them out of Egypt, that God had delivered them in the wilderness, that God had delivered them in their battles, had given to them Canaan's land. This people that had had so many mighty experiences with God when the Son came and came to give them uh, uh, the gospel, bringing the gospel truth, God blinded their eyes. Why? Because they had misused his kingdom in the past. All right. So what then? Israel hath obtained that which seeketh for the election hath obtained it, the rest were blinding. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they uh, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear. Unto this day, until the very day that Paul was talking about preaching to the church here at Rome or writing to the church here at Rome, he says, they are still blinded till this day. <clears throat> and I'll say this, while there are many uh, Jews uh, that have come to believe in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, there are many that are still blinded today. Still, still many that are just leading a, uh, a totally carnal life a total secular world that think nothing about uh, think nothing about religion. And David saith, let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see. Bow down their back alway. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Is this stumbling that they've had and losing the, the pleasures and the joys of the kingdom, have they stumbled so that they've just fallen away from it altogether? And he says, God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Now, there's a question here that, that we, we church folks ought to ask ourselves. How, many, how much are we, are we out there working to provoke people whose eyes have been blinded to jealousy? Are we really out there trying to say, look what, look what really the enjoyment of the kingdom is. Look at the blessings of these things so that uh, uh, they would be provoked to jealousy by seeing us. And the answer is we've done a poor job of it over the years. Uh, uh, many of the churches uh, have accused the Jews of killing Jesus and saying uh, they killed him. Uh, put all the blame on him. Uh, I could tell you which church chiefly did that, but y'all figure it out yourselves uh, or go do some reading. Uh, but they, they blame the total death of Jesus Christ on the Jews. Uh, you know, that's really enticing to try to get people to uh, uh, to try to come and to worship Jesus, isn't it? Does totally blame them, uh, uh, blame them totally for the death. Uh, and you say, well, they did have a role in it. Uh, yeah, the Gentiles had a role in it too. Uh, the Roman soldiers were there. Uh, uh, the armies of Caiaphas were there. Uh, and you know what? The reason he really died is because he laid down his life and no man took it from him because our sins were placed upon him. And he was the sacrificial lamb of God. He was the Passover. And so, uh, uh, you know, no man could take his life from him. I believe Scripture says, says that. But they accused a people of taking his life and being the reason that he died. That's really an enticing way to try to get people to come and provoke them to jealousy. No, it just provokes them to wrath and anger to have nothing to do with Christianity. So anyway, uh, so uh, he tells them, uh, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles. And if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them be the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness for I speak to you Gentiles. Paul's talking to a Gentile congregation, uh, uh, Partially, uh, I speak unto you Gentiles, and as much as I am a prophet of the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh, Jews, uh, uh, and might save some. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall be the receiving of them but life from the dead? 
when you began to see uh, the Jews come back to saying, you know what, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus truly is the Messiah. Truly, he's the Son of God. He was the one we should have been looking for all those years. It's like receiving life from the dead. <laughs> it's like seeing a great blossoming come forth. It's like a resurrection taking place. Uh, for if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And then he goes in uh, to telling the story of the, uh, of the olive tree. And the natural branches were broken off. Were they broken off so that they would fall forever? No. Uh, the husbandman, the, the master of the vineyard, broke off the, the, olive, the, uh, the natural olive branches and the wild olive branches were grafted in. That's us today. We're the wild olive branches. <laughs> we're the Gentiles that have been grafted in. You say, to receive salvation, yes. To receive a knowledge of salvation that we didn't have before that and to know that Jesus Christ and, uh, and the God, Jehovah God of Israel is the one true and living God. We'd never know, we'd not known that except in sporadic instances throughout the Old Testament where certain Gentiles were blessed to see this truth that Jehovah God was the true God. But now today, we worship this one true and living God. We've been given the kingdom. Uh, it's been, others have been blinded and had it taken away from them. Why? Because they killed the prophets. They killed the, they killed the son. All these things happened and they, they were robbed of the joy of these things. But if you read down through the rest of this, and I'm going to wrap it up. If you read down through the rest of this, the lesson for us is if God broke off the natural branches and grafted in the wild olive branches, he can break off the wild olive branches and graft back in the natural. So he told us to take heed how we handle the things of God. And I'll tell you, that's a warning to us today. Uh, is that we take heed to these things. And remember, this is a picture of the kingdom. The kingdom's multifaceted. Uh, the, the kingdom's got people that have been blinded. Uh, the kingdom's got people that have been grafted in. Uh, well, the kingdom is, has people uh, that are enjoying the benefits uh, in some ways of the failure of others. That's us today. Let us rejoice, be thankful, be humble uh, so that we can enter in on a regular basis. May God bless you. Uh, see, now, the good thing about this, see, I finished all this up. Brother Adam's going to come along and do this great teaching and preaching on all this, and he'll clean up all the stuff I messed up on it. So y'all can, can just wait for future previews of him to come in and get all this straightened out for us. So anyway, I love you. God bless you. Uh, and we continue to study this kingdom. It's not a kingdom that we should be totally looking for out in the future. The kingdom's here for us now to enjoy the fruits of it. May God bless you is our prayer.